Hello and welcome to Better Construction with Sean McStay, the podcast where we discuss design and construction techniques, products, and details that lead to a better built environment. All right, and welcome to this week's episode of Better Construction. This week, I am happy to have with me Andrew Peel. Andrew is the owner at Peel Passive House and uh, well-known in the Passive House industry, certainly in uh, Canada. So looking forward to learn more about Passive House and you and uh, what your future plans are. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sean. A pleasure to be here. So for people maybe that aren't familiar with you, uh, maybe do a quick intro. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, both myself and my company fully uh, focused and dedicated to delivering Passive House services to the industry. Been involved with Passive House for every year ticks on now. I have 14 years or so. Um, got my start at the Passos Institute in Germany. Um, actually, I have an electrical engineering background, so I wasn't originally from the construction industry and just saw that energy efficiency in buildings uh, was a really important way of you know addressing numerous environmental issues, including climate change. Uh, so that's what really drew me to, uh, to Passive House. Um, and yeah, I've lived, you know, both in Germany, the UK, and, and uh, also Canada, you know, applying the Passive House train. Very cool, very cool. So career-wise then, you said you uh, were an electrical engineer by trade to start. Uh, what got you kind of interested in engineering and, and kind of the, you know, construction, electrical, that type of thing? Was that always interesting to you as a kid, or how did that interest develop? I mean, uh, I, I guess I've had an environmental interest since uh, uh, when I was young. Um, I remember saving pieces of string and reusing them, you know, getting excited when the juice boxes first became recyclable or it started to recycle them. Um, but, it, you know, I was never, wasn't like an activist or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, just through my education, started to get interested in, um, uh, you know, all, all, all renewable energy, alternative forms of energy. Um, and eventually I decided to make a leap to Europe to actually study renewable energy. Um, and it was in that, that, that phase, that period that I realized, well, all this effort expended to try to find different ways of, of creating energy when, you know, you can actually take a simpler route and just reduce what you're using. And, and so that led me to energy efficiency, energy efficiency in buildings, and, and ultimately passive those. Okay. And so your company then, Peel Passive House, maybe for people who aren't familiar with that, uh, what do you guys do? What's your focus? Obviously, Passive House, but uh, do you build them? Do you design them? Kind of for people who don't know, what uh, what is that, the interest there? Sure, yeah. We're Passive House consultants. Uh, so we will, uh, you know, from a bit of advice to the odd homeowner up through to, you know, fully integrated into project teams, delivering uh, large buildings, both residential and non-residential. Um, yeah, consulting. So in a consulting capacity, we also certify buildings to the International Passive House Standard. Uh, we do a lot of training um, uh, in person before, a lot of virtual training now. We, we actually, had, we were a bit forerunners in the virtual space. We've had a virtual training platform up for probably three years or so now um, and continue to evolve that. And then we've been more and more last years working with manufacturers who really see the industry growing, uh, see the market opportunities, and want to bring their next generation of products online, and see that they need that to be Passive House. And so we're working with them to evolve their products to meet Passive House performance requirements, help them through uh, component certification as well. Okay. And for people who are listening, maybe that aren't familiar with the concept, um, what is Passive House? 
I, I haven't perfected my elevator pitch on pacifist. I mean, I, I think uh, personally, it's the world's leading energy efficiency or high performance building standard that delivers unparalleled levels of uh, occupant comfort. Uh, it's really effective uh, at uh, combating climate change, um, uh, provides very durable, resilient, long-lasting structures, um, great indoor air quality. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of things beyond just, you know, saving energy that, that Passivos uh, uh, brings to the table. Okay. And what type of buildings typically do you get involved with with Passivos? Is that all kind of single-family residential or is that changing? It's it's evolving. We um, we've built a reputation in the industry where we often get brought in for uh, where where projects are applying passive house to a new building type. So, for instance, um, uh, well, now a year and a half ago, we completed the the world's first uh, passive house certified car dealership um, in uh, in Alberta uh, uh, in Canada, and uh, uh, yeah. So, we, but we didn't. I didn't didn't know much about car dealerships, right? Except for I get my car serviced there, right? And uh, buy new cars there or whatever. Um, but, you know, that's where we bring our, our passive house experience, our, our thinking, our approach um, to the table and integrate into the team. And of course, there are ex- the other team members have experience working on car dealerships. So we work hand in hand, collaborate really closely to come up with solutions that, that work uh, for passive house and still meet other functional requirements and, and code requirements and all that. Okay. And so I think uh, something that's really important from my experience with Passivos projects is that team concept that you mentioned. Um, what, from your experience, are some of the stumbling blocks for people that are new to Passivos that aren't experts in the industry for you? And, and what does your company do to try and remove those? I think fundamental is, is just a, a foundational knowledge base. So we, we've we've literally worked with green teams, so teams that have never done a Passos project before, from the architect to the developer to the construction manager, the engineers, all that. Um, and we joined the team as the only ones with Passos consulting experience. And um, you know we have them go through training, so they get the we're speaking the same language. They have the they they understand what's required of Passive House, um, at least fundamentally. I know it's it's always a big learning curve your first project, um, but yeah, we we've taken them through the entire project, and then in the end, uh, they're they're much better skilled up, and we've delivered a cost effective uh, passive house. You know, one of the ones we worked with here in Southern Ontario, the teams. I mean, it was about four or five percent uh, additional cost on their first passive house project, and often you know the the added cost gets banded around about ten fifteen for passive house ten fifteen percent. And, you know, many projects, that's where they end up, but done right with the right process. Um, and I say the right team, not that you have to have experience, that you you have the right attitude. To me, that's been the most important ingredient and in all the uh, consistent ingredient in the in the projects that have been successful, particularly financially. Uh, you, you just people who are aligned with the project goals and want to achieve, see PASOS be achieved, where you have folks who are, resistant they want to do things the, their own way the way they've always done things uh it's really disruptive to the process yeah i agree i think that that's well first of all that's impressive four to five percent on your on their first passive house um is great i mean I've, a lot of people get to that four maybe even three percent when they're on their third or fourth passive house but mm-hmm. getting there on your first one that's a pretty significant savings 
Um, what do you think are, are or are there any roadblocks for Passive House in any specific building types? Are there any types of projects that you think you look at and say, ah, oh, that probably couldn't be uh, built to the Passive House standard? Um, I'd say in principle, no. Um, uh, it's very, uh, whether passwords is achievable, particularly economically, usually technically you can find solutions. It's whether they're financially feasible. Um, it comes down to fundamental design. You know, if you are, you know, you know, this sometimes for people familiar with passwords, this is, you know, you hear it a lot, but compact form, right? Like if you are designing a building that has a lot of intricate details, um, you're going to pay more for that. And if you want to, uh, just generally as a base construction cost, and if you want to turn that into a passive house, you're going to pay that much more, right? Um, highly glazed buildings, passive, you know, you, you can find ways of saving uh, costs uh, through passive house design. Um, but if you're creating a lot, of, putting a lot of glazing in the building, you do pay more for passive house uh, windows, curtain wall systems. So you're, you're going to naturally drive up the price there. So for me, it's always, okay, what are the functional requirements? What are the aesthetic requirements? What are, what are all these fundamental requirements? How do we marry them with passive house uh, so that we, we, we get the best of all worlds, um, you know, respect all the, those requirements uh, and still make it financially viable? Yeah. So, uh, so besides, you know, the, the shape of the building, I mean, I mentioned the glazing uh, ratio, how much glazing are you introducing uh, into the, the building can be challenges with, uh, say, process loads and how, uh, how those are dealt with. So when you get uh, huge ventilation loads in particular, um, you know, we, we had that issue with the car dealership, you know, they, they have these repair bays, they need to evacuate air when the engines are on. Uh, now, kind of modern way of doing it, you can you can hook up an exhaust uh, a tube with, to an exhaust fan to the to the exhaust pipe, um, but you still have the makeup air coming in. Um, and you know, uh, how do you deal with that? So um, that requires some good engineering thinking and and, and uh, exploring solutions. Uh, the kind of standard way of doing things are generally energy intensive, um, and sometimes the obvious ways of saving energy you know, certain heat recovery devices, they can be cost prohibitive. So you have to be quite creative in how you drive down the energy demand in, in cost-effective ways. Okay. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me for sure. I know that, um, you know, people often think of passive houses as, you know, small, square, uh, single-family homes, uh, but I'm, I'm finding it fascinating to see more and more building types and, and designs uh, being built to the Passive House standard. Um, looking maybe forward a little bit uh, in Canada specifically, where do you see the Passive House standard going? Um, I think we would both agree that it's going to grow, but do you see that growth as being continual or do you think kind of the standard code is going to catch up to it? How do you think that's going to play out? Um yeah, I think uh, it, it's it's you know you have certain jurisdictions like Vancouver where now they're requiring passive house in, in certain situations, um, uh, and then there's there's jurisdictions where passive house has informed uh, the development of, of 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 like step codes, right? Codes that are defining where uh, builders developers are going to need to to build in the future, you know, in the next ten twelve years. Uh, so, like uh, cities of Tro like Toronto, 
um, that have said, okay, well, we're, we want passive house performance levels. You know, it's not, you know, a certified passive house, but um, they, they want those performance levels. So, um, yeah, we, we really see that in, in various ways in different building codes. Um, and I think that's just going to continue because, um, you know, cities like to s- steal ideas from other cities um, for, you know, and, and, you know, uh, you know it, it's a lot of effort, you know, that, for instance, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, province of British Columbia put in to developing their, their, their future codes or step codes. Um, and so if, if other jurisdictions can see what and learn what others have done, uh, you know, it'll make it easier. So I think that these kind of pioneering cities, jurisdictions that have done this, they're paving the way for others to, to step into that. And I think there will be just a, a more and more growing expectation um, that, that that is done. And even at the national level in Canada, there's, there's drives for um, really high levels of energy efficiency in the code. Okay. I, I agree with that for sure. One thing I do know uh, from experience, though, is as these codes continue to push people to build higher performance, uh, one of the most important things is training for the people actually putting these buildings together. Obviously, that's something you were mentioning that your company does. Uh, what type of training opportunities do you offer and who should be trained? Um, I mean, I'd say anyone uh, who has uh, any direct uh, impact uh, any direct interaction with the building that will ha- where it affects passive house um right and so that's from your architects your engineers uh from your construction manager uh, heck even the owners get you know if they're not um if they're a bit more hands-on with the project um uh and i don't mean like physical hands-on but just like more involved in the process mm-hmm. um uh, to the trades, individual trades on uh, on on site, whether it's like the project managers or the um, or the individual trades actually doing the work, uh, and there's different levels of training uh, that we offer from like consultant or designer training. Uh, we train construction managers who have material specific to them. Trades uh, training as well um, that are the you know, more more skill specific, or uh, you know whether it's like envelope related or mechanical related. Um, so yeah, we kind of, we, we often, uh, we have public courses, but we also, um, do private courses and, and kind of tailor courses to specific clients needs, or often we'll do training in conjunction with a project. So a, a, a client may in their RFP to a construction manager require that, uh, they do training that the trades, uh, the contractors they hire do training. And so different levels of training will offer, uh, in conjunction with, with the project. Yeah. Uh, one kind of last question about training. From your experience, who's ultimately responsible for hitting these passive house metrics, especially uh, the air tightness metric? Because obviously that one is tested with a blower door test. Um, there's lots of different trades interacting with the envelope of a passive house building. Uh, on the projects that have been successful that you've worked with, uh, or most successful, they're all successful, but most successful, who's been kind of responsible for that? Has it been one person? Has it been somebody on each trade team? Yeah, I'd say um, ultimately in terms of delivering it, that would be the construction manager. And, uh, you know, best, especially in larger projects where you have, you know, what's very, you know, very maybe known as like the air boss or tightness champion, someone who takes responsibility. That's pretty much their sole job is throughout the product construction to ensure the integrity of the air barrier, you know, throughout the building. 
you know, from from the work through to um, the you know being on site for testing. Um, so that's that's critical that somebody has an over uh, because you can't leave it to individual trades. They have an impact and in interaction with the air barrier, um, but that's not their primary role. Not their not their primary expertise. Um, and you know they're there to do specific jobs. You know if it's the HVAC contractor to install the ductwork and all that. And so it's important that they're involved in the process, um, right? There's collaboration, but somebody, you know, if if everyone's accountable, no one's accountable, right? So really, you need you need one company, one individual who's who's responsible. Now, if it's a really large large project, you may need to share that duty, but there has to be clear accountability. Gotcha. Okay. So as I get towards the end of these uh, episodes, I always ask two questions. And so the first one's kind of fun because you get a magic wand. Uh, but if you had that magic wand and you could fix any one misconception about Passive House, which one would you get rid of? Hmm, that's an interesting one. That, uh, that it's risky. Um, I mean, and that, that comes down to financial risk that, that, that owners are, are afraid on their first project. Am I going to achieve it, or is it going to be too expensive? And you know, a lot of reasons behind that. It's it's now it's really perceived risk. It's not actual risk unless you, you know, don't have a good process uh, to lead you to a cost-effective uh, passive project. Like you, you know, you can do conventional buildings really cost uh, costly as well, right? So it's very much down to your process how you procure a building. Um, but I, yeah, if I could wave the uh, wand, it would be around the perceived risk of passive house. Perfect. Okay. And the last question is a personal interest question for me. I read and collect a lot of books. And so if you were to recommend a book right now, personal or professional, uh, which one would it be for you? Oh, man. I, uh, <laughs> it's a handful. I mean, there's a book I, I'm reading right now, which is changing my perspective and you know, it might not be for everyone. Uh, and I haven't gone through it all, but just I'll, I'll put it out there because um, it's fascinating. This book called uh, Plant Intelligence, but it's fascinating to look at um, uh, intelligence in, in, in uh, other organisms, um, from animals to, uh, to, to plants to, to organisms, and kind of redefining what intelligence is. Uh, and, you know, we have a, quite a narrow view of what intelligence is. We, you know, we have our human-centric view of intelligence. Uh, and it's fascinating to, it, it, you know, and, and this is, you know, there's a good scientific um, research, you know, uh, in this in this book. That's uh, so, yeah, I, I, I throw that out there as a <laughs> interesting, different book for folks. That sounds really interesting, actually. I've, I've started hearing more and more about that. I haven't read that book yet, but I've heard about how, like, you know, a forest or a group of trees are actually connected to each other in some ways. And so I think I'm going to definitely put that one on my list to check out. Uh, well, Andrew, thank yeah. you so much for your time being on the show today. For everyone listening and watching, I'm going to put links down below to Andrew's social media and his company website. If you're looking to get some training for Passive House or just want to learn more about uh, the standard before your next project, be for sure to check that out. And uh, with that, Andrew, have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you, Sean, for having me. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening to this week's episode of Better Construction. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. If you have any questions for myself or the guest, you feel free to reach out on social media or on the website at uh, www.betterconstructionmedia.com. And with that, we'll talk again next time. <laughs>